Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to the garden we go on this Veterans Day. Doug and Jess are in the saddle and ready to go to work. 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. And you can text us on the Right Automotive line, the best deal in town. Tenth caller right now to begin the broadcast wins a $25 gift certificate from the great folks at Sorgles, Randy and company out in Wexford. And that number is 412-922-1020. It is Veterans Day and a very special day to many, including these two, who join us every week at this time. Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace are both of the Tribune Review. Good morning. Good morning, and welcome again to The Organic Gardeners. I'm Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Wallace, sir. Thinking about you over the week, how do you think... Me or Rob? You. Me, okay. Who? Oh, him. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I just wanted to clarify. How do you think um, the future of gardening looks? In general, do you think it's going to grow or do you think it's going to decline? Because I was thinking about these, you know, when I started in the 80s uh, as, a, you know, writing about organic gardening, doing organic gardening, that was kind of a what I thought a new thing, even though it wasn't. It was just a you had no communication, really, just to the people that you, you had that you knew. And we were all like our little organic gardening. We used organic gardening magazine as our Bible and then we see these spikes in gardening. Martha Stewart, uh, 9-11, uh, the financial crisis in 2006. Uh, I wonder what what's the future. Will young people continue to garden? When I think of you, I, I actually think of a young person <laughs> that gardens because me, me pushing 60. But whenever I see a young couple, when, and there are not that many young couples coming to my <laughs> events, when I see them, I'm so excited to see that they are embracing gardening, but they are few and far between. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think gardening will continue as always, uh, but I think it's shifting. And there was a great article in the New York Times this week, actually, about the rise in houseplants. And so, which I also consider gardening, right, because it's cultivating and tending a plant. But it's amongst the the millennial generation is the, this houseplant movement and how, uh, they're they're talking about their houseplant babies, and there's books about how to be a parent of a houseplant, and uh, and it's just shifting. And they've got some of them have hundreds of houseplants in their apartments because they can't, you know, have their big house in suburbia, and so this is how they're making their connection with da- with nature. Now I think it's it's a little more clean, a little more tidy, a little more sterile than what you and I think of as gardening, which is going out and putting our hands in real soil, not potting soil, and really getting out and digging in the dirt. But I think that will probably be to come because I think for them, those houseplants are sort of the gateway drug, right, to the gardening. And when they have success with it, then when they do get the house 
wherever it is, whether it's in the city or in suburbia, then they're more willing to take the chance on trying outdoor gardening. Do you think you would garden as much as you do if you didn't have to write about it all the time? Would your garden be different? I actually different? have less time to garden now than uh, than I did before I started writing. I but mean, you're kind of forced to grow some things and build well, things. Well, of course, and... yes, I am because I, you know, I need to get pictures of them and all that kind of stuff for I was articles th- and all that. I was but... thinking about that, and I think my garden would be <laughs> would probably be bigger if I wasn't writing about it. it would right, probably, you have, I would more, have time. more time. Right, to, exactly. To to do it. And, right. Um, I mean, that's the problem with it right now. Right, is I love gardening and I I love the joy of growing plants, but. You have to also make a living, and so you have to put your focus on getting that work done and less focus on actual gardening. And so. I, I was also thinking, I was like, what is it that made me garden? Because, you know, my mom had a little vegetable garden I used to love to be part of, very small. You know, my grandmother did some gardening, but not much. But then, you know, when we got our first house, actually, uh, Cindy was the first one to put a garden in, and the next year I just started and became basically I don't, obsessed, you know, to, to garden. Uh, for you, was it a family thing that that that, or do you, oh, definitely. Is, it, is, it, is it you? You know, what is it that makes you garden? I guess yeah. is the question. I mean, my mom and my grandmother both had a big garden. Uh, my nana and uh, my mom had a vegetable garden in the back. At the time when I was little, I didn't enjoy it because it was I saw it as work. <laughs> you know, shelling peas and pulling weeds and all that. She never forced us to do it, but, but you know, we would help her with things. Um, but it, I think it was really, you know, I used to go to this little local flower shop with my mom and greenhouse in our little town where I grew up, our one stoplight town. And I would go in there and I just, the rows and of greenhouse plants just all lined up and we'd go once a year to pick out all her annuals, you know, get marigolds for the front of the house. And, hmm. and from the time I was little, I used to tell her someday I'm going to work here. And then when I turned 15, I, I got a job there. So it was just sort of, it was always around uh, I, I actually, though, even working there, didn't know that horticulture was something I could major a in job. college. I didn't know that it was a job. It never even dawned on me that I could go to college for it until somebody said, oh, you work at the flower shop. Well, you you should go to school for horticulture. And I was like, what's horticulture? <laughs> and I was probably like, you know, a sophomore or a junior in, in high school ready to apply to colleges and thinking I was going to do something else because I didn't even know that was a choice or an option. So I think it's there's now a lot of movements and missions to, that are actually being run by different botanic gardens uh, across the country that are trying to expose young people and teenagers to the field of horticulture and agriculture as a career and a job choice because they don't even know that it exists in many cases. So I think that's good. It's a good good thing happening. It is a good thing. All right, listen, it'll be a great thing if you call in now to get all of your questions answered because they're ready to go to work. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com. You can text us on the Red Automotive line, the best deal in town. All right, tell the folks it is a very special Veterans Day on your broadcast today. Uh, yes, it is. You know, we uh, thank everybody for their service. You know, we've done stories in the past about uh People that have, have uh, you know, protected us and our country, and uh, thank you. Absolutely. All right, short break. We'll be back. Stay with us. This is The Organic Gardeners on KDKA Radio. 
Hey, congratulations to Darlene of Coriopolis. Won that gift certificate uh, from the folks at Sorgles. All right, now this is a great opportunity. I think we have one call coming in, but if you have a gardening question and you know, you're like the many fans of this show, you get that busy signal and you're like, come on. Well, now if you call, you won't get a busy signal and you'll uh, have immediate access to Doug and Jess to get all those calls answered. And you can always use Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdkradio.com, or you can text us on the right automotive line, the best deal in town. And let's say hi to our first caller of the morning, and let's head out to McDonald and say hi to Ed. Ed, welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. I uh, want to put something along a stream so I don't have to weed whack about 300 yards. Uh, what do you recommend? Does it get full sun or what What kind of conditions? Pardon? Does it get full sun there or is it in the yeah, shade? full sun. Full sun. Okay. And it's about 300 feet and, and on a stream on bed. A stream bed. Does, it, does the stream bed fill and flood often or does it stay pretty level? It's level most of the time. Uh, mainly I want to keep it like the, the grass and weeds down so I don't have to weed whack it. Something I was thinking crown vetch, but is there something shorter than that? Well, I wouldn't do crown vetch only because it will reseed and it'll come up in your lawn and your flower beds. And, and you'll never get rid of it. And it will be there for all of eternity. So I would really skip the crown vetch. I'm just even thinking about sort of a, um, and it is a lower growing daylily. That would be inexpensive for you to put in. You can buy the roots, bare roots, from like a, a catalog source, and you can anything, get a... Anything. I was thinking like an ivy or something. In that. You, so something just, you don't really care about whether or not it flowers. You just want something... No, I don't care if it flowers or not. Gotcha. All I want, so I don't have to get... My tractor, I almost flipped it getting close oh, to the crib. Yeah. The, cra- the crabs uh, got it undermined and this and that, so... Yeah. And I want to... Well, I think ivy would certainly be an option for you, um, something like English ivy, although that, you know, be careful because that can escape into the woods and, and things what, like that. And then what about, though, the stuff that would come up through whatever he wants to put right. there? That's, I mean, that's the thing that you I'm are still going to have. You're going to have to clear it and then plant the plants because you are still going to have weeds that come up in there if you don't do that. So okay. that's, you know, you're, you're because even if you put in a, a fast-spreading ground cover in there, in amongst the existing weeds, those weeds will still be there, and they will continue to be problematic for you. So you need to get rid of those first and plant right away so you don't get erosion and all that stuff. Did you have other stuff. things on your mind? I was thinking a juga would be another really good one, uh, which is also called bugleweed. Yeah, Ed, take a look at that because you could buy a whole flat of that pretty cheap. Yeah. So that What's would be it called? good. It's called a juga, A J U G A. Somebody mentioned periwinkle. Is periwinkle any good? Periwinkle, you could do. Yep, that's certainly also called vinca. You, though you buy this in seeds or do you no? Buy you would buy it. You buy it in a flat. You would buy it in a flat at some at a nursery that sells ground covers, like buy the flat, um, because you need so much of it. You could yeah. also do it through a mail order source where you would buy what are called plugs of that ground cover. Um, that would work. Just little itty bitty plants. There's another really sort of matte like ground cover that's called Mazus, M A Z U S, that is super low to the ground, like like a half an inch tall, and it forms just like a, a matte covering. Uh, and that might be a good choice. It also would be a good idea, and I always recommend this with ground covers, to use more than one species of plant because if you have one that doesn't survive the winter or one that gets plagued by pests or something happens to the one, then you have the other one to continue to fill in. So it's nice to sort of rather than have a monoculture of one type of ground cover, have a few together so that 
you're covering your bases should something go wrong with one of them. There's lots of good choices out there. In fact, I have an article up on Savvy Gardening that's uh, 20 different evergreen ground covers mm. that you can plant that would all survive here in Pennsylvania. They're fully hardy, and they do really, really nicely. So you can just go on to Savvy Gardening and search for evergreen ground covers, and you'll come up with that. Real quick, do you have a favorite? Oh, my God. Well, I do love a juga because the bumblebees absolutely love it when it flowers in the spring. Um, and there's so many different forms. But I think probably one of my favorites, do you, do you know black mondo grass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So black mondo grass, which is Ophopogon, is a black, low, uh, it's like a broad strapping grass. It's not really grass, but it looks like a grass. And it makes a really cool ground cover that's really dark in color. And it's it stays that color all winter long. It doesn't die back to the ground or anything. And it has these little spikes of purple flowers that come up. It's very pretty. Ooh. All right, it's uh, David in Lawrenceville. Hey, David, how good are morning. you? Good morning. Good morning, Doug. How Hi, are Jess. you? I'm good. Hey, Doug, last week you and uh, Jessica were talking about bulbs. Um, I had ordered 100 uh, crocuses, and I was in the hospital, and I missed the name. You had said that uh, Jess had put you onto a, a bulb, and it sounded like something berry. Pushkinia. You remember? Yeah, Pushkinia. Um, uh, it's P U. You spell that, Jess. What about me? <laughs> you okay. spell it. I want to hear Doug spell it. Why? Well, okay, spell here it. we go. I'm going to get it wrong. P U C H. No, P U S C H K E N I A. Close, close. P U S C H K I N I A. K I N I A. Pushkinia. Yeah, Pushkinia. It's a really, really beautiful. Yeah, I almost brought you about ten bulbs today, but I oh, forgot. Oh, I would I've have got, taken them. All right, I've got a hundred. I'll, I'll, right. I'll save ten. Uh, right. Now, what this does, David, the reason I, I just, I, I got them sent to me. I ordered them somehow, some way, and I don't even know how. And as usual, I don't didn't have it written right in my garden journal. And they came up, and I, I just fell in love with them. I didn't know what they were. I had to show just the picture. Or no, actually, I didn't show you a picture. You had to figure it out while you I was explaining it to, it to you. <laughs> and you were scratching your head for a little bit, but figured it out. And just, you know, probably about uh, eight inches tall. Uh, how would you explain that kind of growth? Kind of. Uh, it's like a loose. It's like a loose um, hyacinth yeah, flower. Yeah, and cluster. with with just uh, creamy white flowers. With these little blue stripes, I, I'm and the deer don't eat it. It it starts forming a colony. Uh, I was glad to get another hundred bulbs this year because I I you know I've been trying to turn people onto this mm-hmm. bushkinia. It's been around forever. It's it's just that I didn't know I never saw it before. And you actually saw it at a with the master gardeners. That's the way you explained it to me. Mm-hmm. That uh, that's how you saw it. And oh, I just love it. And again, you know anything that's deer resistant that's going to do its thing. You know when we talk about spring bulbs. They're not around long, but boy, when they are, they they are the star of the garden. And the, I am just, I'm so excited. I have seriously 300 bulbs at least sitting at home that need to be planted. You wouldn't even bring me 10. Jeez. I'll bring them to you next week. <laughs> That's the are other you thing. Good, David, still... any other questions? Yeah. Hey, Jess, what do you think about soapboard for a ground cover? I like it. I, my problem with soapboard is it's, I've had trouble with it overwintering. Uh, it is supposed to be fully hardy here, but for me, I've planted it on two different occasions, and it didn't survive the winter both times. So mm, that makes it kind of marginal for me. But it's I a see. great plant with beautiful flowers. Oh, it's gorgeous yeah. in the spring. Yeah. Explain what it is. It is. Do you, have the, do you have it at home, David? 
Yes, I do. And I gave it to my sister, and she planted it next to a wall. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely loves it there. Ah, it probably likes that. It re- it's Is it a stone wall that it's, like, retaining the heat? Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, mine so died. Yep. I had mine out in the open. Yeah, so I think it's sort of like a microclimate. That stone wall absorbs the heat and holds on to it and then releases it at night and probably makes it a little bit more winter hardy. Do you, and is it the pink? It's a little pink flowering variety that you have? Oh, yes. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. And they're just, they're, a lot of times they'll sell them as perennials or they sell them as like a, uh, or a ground cover, but usually as perennials. And they're, they are lovely little plants, little pink star-shaped flowers on them. But yeah. uh, you haven't. I haven't had much luck, and but obviously close to that has, wall. David. But yeah, sort of in a little protected microclimate site like that, it might do well. But typically out in the open, for me, it's not reliably hardy. Yeah. So great. Thank you so much for your questions, David. So probably not enough time for another call. We'll get to you after the break. But I want to talk a little bit. We started off with a little bit about house plants. I know from talking to you over the past uh, nearly 15 years on the air, <laughs> you're not the biggest house plant person. Well, I love house plants, but I just kind of run out of energy to take care of them in the winter. I've always liked my little bit of winter break. However, I, I, I lose about 10% a year of my house. Yeah, because I just, some things don't get watered. And, and then I kind of got into them, but then we got cats, and then I was nervous about the cats eating or digging in the house plant. So then we stopped having them in the house. Well, now we put up some shelves and things that they're up higher that the cats can't get to, and I've been doing a little bit of research. The ASPCA actually has a great list of toxic and non-toxic plants for pets on their website. And so I got on there and I researched the list and found some that are safe for cats. And uh, we did. I went out last weekend out to Quality Gardens and I got a bunch of little houseplant starts and little pots and, yeah, looking good. All right, stuffing recipes coming up next hour. I assume in your stuffing there has to be garlic. Oh, yeah. I knew that as soon as you walked in the stuffing room. Stuffing is my number, <laughs> Two, number, three, number one thing about of Thanksgiving stuffing. All right. That's what we're going to be talking about next hour on the Coons Cooking Hours. The countdown to Thanksgiving is underway at all eight of your Coons markets. How do you find the one nearest you? Coonsmarket.com. All right. Jim's in Wexford. He's up next. And before we get to him, 10th caller wins a gift certificate to Janoski's at 412-922-1020. Good morning, James. Good morning. Uh, great show. Listen to every Sunday. Thank you. Uh, I got a three-part question here. Quick ones, though. Uh, is it too late to spray and kill ground ivy? The second one, is it too late to plant shrubs and bulbs? And the third one is, how, if not, if I have to hill them in, how do you, what's the proper way of hilling in the young shrubs that are like a year old? Okay, the answers are no and yes. <laughs> uh, it is no. no. Wait, yes no. and no. Yes and no. You, I'm thinking of the way that you asked them. So, yes, it is too late to spray the ground ivy, but no, which which we won't recommend you do anyway if you're using a chemical. That's a big no-no. There's better ways to control the ground ivy. And then it's no... It's overtaken my yard. Yeah. It's I... overtaken my yard, the ivy. Yeah. So there's a um, that ground ivy. There is... Oh, my gosh. I wish I could come up with it off the top of my head, but I can't. But there was a study... Was that a Cornell? Was that... Where was that? We With the... Um, the borax, which we ne- we almost never recommend yeah. home mixtures of things because they're not tested by science. There's no, uh, you know, many times they don't work. Sometimes they can be very dangerous. But there was actually a university-based study where they looked at how to control ground ivy, and it was using this borax thing, but it's very specific. Doug's looking it up right now. 
Uh, but that would be a safer option. Now is not the time of year to do it, though. So it's uh, much too late in the season. The plants have and, already you know, sort of I don't know shifted into winter. Dormancy. Time to do it. But we could, when we get done with bulbs and shrubs, we'll try and go through the like a little bit of lawn care stuff. Yeah. Also for yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, There's also um, a product by Gardens Alive, and the company is GardensAlive.com, and it's called Iron X is the name of the product, and this is a huge boon to organic lawn care. Because it is uh, one of the, or if it is actually the only herbicide, organic herbicide, that will kill the broad-leaved weeds and not hurt the grass. So it's, uh-huh. it is, Iron X is what it's called, and it's based on chelated iron. So grasses, the way grasses are, they're monocots, and they can process excess iron without being harmed. But broad-leaved plants, it actually is a toxic. It's a toxic application of iron to them. And so it will kill things like your dandelions and ground ivy and, um, you know, purslane and, and other weeds, non-grass weeds that are growing in your lawn. So if you're going to spray something, that Iron X, it would actually be a much better choice for you. But wait until the spring okay. time. In the early okay. night. In, in the hold on. shrubs and bulbs. Well, yeah. we're still on ground ivy. In the early 1990s, research at Iowa State, Iowa State. University okay. found that borax can be used to selectively control ground ivy and turf grass. Uh, ten ounces. A ten ounces. Ten ounces of borax and two to three gallons of water. Ten ounces of borax, two to three gallons of water. Try it two on a three. small. Try it on a small area first to make sure. And this is true of everything. You know, it's just like when you use a cleaning product. Try it on a small area first, just to make uh-huh. sure it doesn't harm your grass or anything like that. One um, one caveat here: problems oh. may occur if the borax solution is misapplied. For example, if the solution containing ten ounces of borax is applied to only 250 square feet as opposed to 1,000. Okay. Both the ground ivy and the turf grass, grass may be destroyed. So don't over-apply. For small okay. areas, dissolve five teaspoons of borax in one quart of water and apply the solution uniformly to 25 square feet. Sounds okay. Con- and that would be springtime? Yes. Yeah, just look up. If just Google borax... Iowa State University Iowa study State or University, something like yeah. that. Yeah. That and that that okay. when you get the recipe. And it is definitely not too late to plant yeah. shrubs and bulbs. The soil is still nice and warm. A lot of them are on sale at the garden centers. The the thing you're gonna have to watch to do though, as always, is if we don't get pre- precipitation in the wintertime, you are gonna have to water whatever you plant now through the winter. So they're giving they're giving bulbs away out there. Yeah, you know almost. I've seen fifty to seventy five percent off. Uh, plant some yeah, bulbs. Yeah, got some. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, get them in the ground. Uh, I have a box still to plant at my house too. Well, so, I've got yeah. like three hundred to put in, but <laughs> that won't take long with a bulb auger. There you go. Love that bulb auger. It's just a big drill bit you put on your drill. Hey, congratulations to Tammy from Crescent, winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's in Clinton. So, what are you writing about the trib? You know, interesting program called One Tree Per Child, and now there's a that's a international program. Uh, it started here in the United States, right here in Pittsburgh. Th- that chapter, U.S. chapter, started Avonworth uh, Elementary in Ross. Uh, One Tree Per Per Child Pittsburgh has now grown to uh, several schools, moving up to eleven schools. Some of them in the Pittsburgh school district. Uh, they are looking for other schools, and the goal is for every kid at these schools to plant a tree. And I was out at, uh, oh, what's the name of the park? A park in Ross, Shram, maybe it was. And uh, they were planting pawpaws and persimmons. Oh, uh, neat. That, that uh, park was devastated by emerald ash borer. Oh. And so Tree Pittsburgh's helping. Uh, the city foresters are helping. 
Uh, Pittsburgh Parks Conservancy is helping. It's a pretty cool program. All right. Again, 866-391-1020. Bankins and access kdkradio.com. Let's go to Jim Moon Township. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Doug and, uh, and Jess, I uh, finally took that fig tree out of that 20-inch pot earlier this week and put it in the ground. And it came out nice and bulby. It just slipped right out once I loosened it, and it was a ton of, of roots all around it. So I dug a really nice hole and had plenty of room around it, used some organic uh, soil mixed with my regular soil. Um, now I got this cold weather. What am I doing to, to uh, insulate? Can I put leaves around it to keep it warm? Here's what I'm doing, uh, and, and then you you bring yours in. But if one's in the ground, I kind of tie those uh, stems branches, together, yep. branches together, kind of make it a column. Uh, gotcha. In my case, it's going to be five feet because that's how big my tomato cage is. I wrap it with landscape fabric and floating row cover. You could probably use burlap. And then I mm-hmm. put that tomato cage on top of it, and then I fill that tomato cage up with straw. And... Two out of three years, that works good. You know, worst case scenario, like last year, it's going to be it's going to die back to the ground. This year, I've got you know eight foot tall, ten foot tall uh, stalks, but I never got figs. I just had little itty bitty figs on there, and mm-hmm. I was able to eat one. So that's how I'm yeah, protecting got... mine. There's lots of different ways to do it, though. Everybody does it differently. Okay, that's my first time transplanting. I had a ton of, of, of figs this year, so I need to just pull those uh, branches together. You got a ton and, of figs um, this year and you didn't call us? I, I tell you what, I, Rob wouldn't let me get through. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> we just blame it on Rob. That's what we always do, right? Well, that's awesome, though, yeah, that you've got that out great. of that basement and got uh, figs on there. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I just was really later, but I was really wondering, should I disturb those roots in that bulb or just leave them alone? I mean, I can't now. They're in the ground. Yeah. It'll yeah. be fine. I think it's going to be right okay. okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be okay. I think, um, you know, normally we tell people to loosen the roots when you plant a tree or shrub like that, but figs mm-hmm. actually have a thing about being pot-bound. So, so you know, yeah. you might have to water it a little more through next year until its roots can, can spread out into the soil on their own. Um, okay. but I don't think it's going to be that detrimental to it in this case, but really do give it a lot of insulation through yep. the winter. Cause yep. you don't want to, you had that many figs. You want to make sure that you have oh, that yeah. many figs again uh, next I hope, year. We're going to have a mild winter, so you'll be fine. <laughs> so he says. <laughs> Good luck, Jim. <laughs> All right. Quick look at sports after a break. And then we're right back with more of Doug and Jess, the organic garden. Joe and Frank Dantisi stuffing recipes coming up on the Coons cooking hour. Stay with us. Time for Mrs. Know-It-All, our grower, horticulturist, and, of course, our garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Good morning. A little chilly. Today's going to be a good day for me to just enjoy the view rather than go out and be in the view. Oh, it's warming up. It's going to be 44 today, right? Yeah, I was out uh, down in the Strip District on Friday and all that rain. I had enough cold. It took me all day yesterday to still get Mm. warm. So uh, the gentleman who called about the ground ivy and uh, using the um, borax, uh, one of the cautionary things you need to remember is you can, it should only ever be applied maybe once or twice in a season, and you really have to do it at the rate it's recommended. Otherwise, you can actually um, damage your soil permanently in that area. So, you know, it, it sounds like he has, 
lots of it as opposed to maybe one spot of it. So if he's going to do it, he really needs to only use the recommended amount. I know a lot of people say, eh, well, a little bit's good. We can, you know, use a little bit more. There's a little left in the bottle. I, the I wouldn't want to use it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do it that way. And Jess has the best way to get rid of ground ivy. Yeah, the, I, I like the Iron X, and I also like just, I have always found, and I don't know if you found this, Denise, but in the spring, it actually is pretty easy to rake out with like a spring a spring-loaded rake, and that definitely helps as well. And it, and it also kind of gets a thatch, a little bit of thatch out of the grass, too. Yeah, so, and I've yeah. used an iron rake, which, you know, seems to yeah. get at the roots a little better, too. I'm not crazy about using borax, too, because it also affects beneficials yeah. in the soil. Right, so. right, right. And that is, you know, always when you talk about, um, you know, getting so much of it. I mean, borax is an essential plant, or boron is an essential plant nutrient, but you can also go into excess and cause damage. And so that is a good caution to never apply more than Boron is one of the funniest elements. Boron is just, it's a funny word. Boron. <laughs> it is. Okay. Tonight's boron temperature forecast. Right. Remember that? <laughs> Thank you, as always, Denise, for your she insight. She has no we idea what Jessica is I don't know what you're talking about. You remember, no. don't you, Doug? Boron uh, service stations, they oh, would do yeah. that. Yeah. Radio fake boron temperature forecast. Tonight's low, zero degrees. Are you ready? <laughs> All right, let's go to, uh, boy, I have no life. Let's go to uh, Fran in Swickley. Hey, Fran, welcome to KDK Radio. Uh, good morning. My question is, so last year I had the blight on the tomatoes. Is there anything you can do now to... I don't know, kill that fungal spore or whatever. Unfortunately, so that you there, don't get it yeah, again. There is really not. I mean, one of the best things that you can do is add some good quality compost to the soil because all of the beneficial microbes that are found in compost can help combat some different pests and diseases, especially diseases in the in the soil, fungal diseases in the soil. Will they get rid of it entirely? No. Is there anything you can put yeah, on those, your soil? No, because anything you put on there is also going to kill the, the spores beneficial are microbes. Always there. Yeah. So the, the best proactive approach starts at the beginning of next growing season. And when you go out to plant your plants, even before you plant them, you need to put down a protective layer over the soil, um, whether it's a layer of shredded leaves or a layer of straw, or I even like to use in really bad soils, a layer of newspaper topped with shredded leaves or straw. And then I plant right down through that. And what that does is it keeps the spores in the soil from splashing up onto the leaves when you water. A lot of people will plant the plants and they'll water them in and then they'll put the mulch on. But even that first watering is enough to splash some of those spores up onto the leaves. So planting time is the best time to be proactive about helping to control and manage those other things diseases. that I do is I try and take off those bottom leaves so there's more distance between the bottom. And then I'm always talking about succession planting. I like to plant early, but also all the way into the, to July 4th is my last planting. And they, the, the tomatoes just love the warm soil temperatures, the warm air temperatures. And that's the best way that I've been able to beat the, the blight is just by planting you know you got to have the that first planting everybody has mm -hmm. to, you have to put it in but usually that's the one that really gets the the fungal issue because it's cold and it's wet and tomatoes don't like it cold and wet so planting later putting a especially something really quick growing like a quick cherry or something in you know end of june early july it'll catch up 
mm-hmm. because it is so warm and that rarely will they have the fungal issues unless we have a year like we had this year. All right, listen, yeah. we're going to take a <laughs> All short. All bets were off this year. We're going to let uh, these two come back and regroup and officially say goodbye. News at 8 coming up with CBS. And then it'll be uh, Joe and Frank. We're talking stuffing recipes. Next week, those two are going to have Janice Stahl from Butterball as their very special guest. Why do I think of me when I say Butterball? I guess that's just the sign of the times. You know what I'm saying, folks? Boron and Butterball. <laughs> Boron and Butterball. Boy, I do need to get a life. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Instant Access. And when you were in your neck of the woods, Ohio, it was Ohio. Right. Remember that? All right. 866. I know I'm drifting a little bit today. 866. Yeah, it's okay, though. That's what made me who I am today, which I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Didn't I just say that? You did. Boron and Butterball. That's Uh, Exactly. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) We'll be back. Well, looking forward to getting my remaining trees and shrubs in the ground. I should have done it all yesterday. I got most of it done. But those bulbs, still time to put the bulbs in. Still time to put a little garlic in, Jess. It's true. And everybody should grow garlic because it's a sad world without garlic. (laughs) Isn't that what Jono says? That's what Jono says. The great artist Jono, that's that's probably his best saying, except for maybe eat, drink, and stink. (laughs) That's a garlic From garlic, though. (laughs) Let's clarify. From garlic. If you you, you will, please take it. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.